All right, we're back. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. Sorry, I've got papers all over the place here. These are my secret notes. Don't look, Sonia. Just like smoke and mirrors, that's all this is. Um, our show has been going for, oh, I don't know, 15 years, something like that. And uh, every once in a while, I'll hear from people that I, I think, why are you listening to my show if that's the way you think about, about things? Because you're not getting the point of this show. Okay, I'm going to stop and just start again. Hi, you're listening to the Drew Marshall Show. We're streaming live at drewmarshall.ca. Apparently, we're having some kind of technical difficulty. Tell us if if we are. Also, let us know if the mics are on during the break. Shauna, I will never let you live that down. Uh, Sonia Cote is a singer and actor, used to be stripper, mother, mentor, author of I'm Not Naked Anymore. I'm Not Naked is a collection of wild polyester tales from stripper stages to swish cabaret lounges, from film sets to silky adventures through sexual minefields, part creative memoir, part confessional, and wholly authentic. That's why I got her on the show. Wholly authentic. It's raw, witty, and uproariously funny. It is, actually. Sonia is either um, slaying dragons or sprinkling fairy dust in each of her chapters. Uh, i got to read you this one. This is the quote that's making its rounds. I hold on to the brass pole and do a perfect showgirl kick. And then as I bend my knee and fold my leg to lower it, I slice my other knee open with my stiletto heel. I spend the remainder of my show wiping blood and miming ecstasy. <laughs> the website is soniacote.com. C-O-T-E, I believe, is how we pronounce that. Is that correct, Sonia Cote? Sonia Cote. French-Canadian, Irish, and somewhere Ooh. in between. That's a lot of anger in there. And alcohol. <laughs> well, it French could Canadian be. French-Canadian and be. Irish. My parents actually were not big drinkers, neither am I, so I don't know. We defy the odds. Right. I'm also really tall for a French-Canadian. You so. are, yeah, yeah. What are you, yeah. about 6'2"? No, I'm, only, Six I'm always in high heels. All right. right Once right. I recovered from that, you know, slicing my knee open, I, so I mastered the art of wearing high heels. <laughs> so funny. True um, story. I... I uh, have been watching a Netflix series called Strippers, and oh. it's just released, and it's about the stripper scene in Scotland. Right. And people are hearing that and going, why are you doing that, Drew? That's inappropriate. No, it's fascinating. Like, it's a biographical thing. It's not, there's no nudity, not that it matters to most people anyway, but the point is, it's about the lives of the girls and what's behind it all and the motivations. And, you know, you're, you're doing a weird head shake. Why? I'm doing a weird head shake. I'm doing a come see, come saw kind of move because I saw the first episode. And, oh, and you did? It was, yes. And it was, <coughs> I mean, me. it's good and it's interesting and it's all that stuff, but it's also Is reaching. it baloney? Yeah. So what? how yeah. is it baloney? Is it making light of something that's heavier is it not going where it needs to go? Is it glamorizing it or under under glamorizing it? That's under not even. A, I don't know I what like that, that means. Word. I was like undergarment, undergarment. <laughs> yes. The the woman that that ran that club, she's very much of a of a me 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 kind of person. Yes. She likes to to be the den mother, and that's fine. And and I've met a lot of women who run club clubs or who have, are agents that are like that. Yeah. And yeah, they kind of skim over the surface to make some slightly titillating TV. Pardon the pun, but sure. it's just not. It, it doesn't really hit home. There was no. I didn't see any single moms on there. I didn't see any real struggles when there was an introduction of. A struggle of the most intelligent girl. Uh, yes. It was kind of skimmed over again, and then we moved on to the next girl. So, I didn't really think it represented what all that world is about. Now, I'm saying this as somebody who has not stripped since 1994. Right. So it could be that 
girls today. They had today. strippers back then? Yeah, like way back. You know, I had to dust myself off to be here. But <laughs> it was, um, it, I started in 84. Yeah. When I was, when I was 19. And, and it was very different back then. There was, first of all, the G-string was on for the first 10 months I danced. Right. And the first feature dancer that I had uh, in a change room with me was Chesty Morgan. Oh, I remember Who that was on name. her last days of burlesque, as she called it. So her last day, never mind. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. Too many and, jokes. And uh, Bubbles LaRue was an, a female impersonator who was also one of the features. And um, there was another girl called uh, uh, There must have been one called Cinnamon. Come on. Somewhere down the road, yeah. And Pepper and <laughs> chocolate and vanilla <laughs> and all the other flavors out there. Absolutely. Oh, but it was just, it was a different time back then. And I quit when the whole lap dancing thing came in. Um, I, I'm not really able to do that. I don't think I would be able to reconcile doing that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that has to do with the germ factor sure. <laughs> more than the morals, you know. Yeah. People do Sponsored what they do. Sponsored by Purell. Yeah, exactly. You know, like in the little towels that you had to yeah, put yeah. down. And yeah. it was just... So I don't know. Maybe the girls today are different. There's also lap dancing everywhere in the world now, which I find kind of weird. It's like a full contact sport. Right. So it's not really, it's not really an art anymore. I think it's a full-on sex trade. Okay. Which is fine. So That's many, what they want to so do. So many questions. So oh, many questions. Um, so is it true that there, I don't know, majority or there are a lot of girls who get into stripping? They have a history of of abuse. Is that true, or is that just a? Is that just I? I don't even know what that means. Is that a? I think it's true. Yeah, okay. I I've never met a stripper that wasn't sexually abused. Were you? Yes. Okay. Not by my dad or by my parents, but by a neighbor, and then subsequently. And it was very young. It was from two to five. And then when you kind of have that beginning to life, I think it kind of opened me up to all kinds of other experiences because I had a real, a really tough time with my self-esteem and I, I wasn't able to speak up. And, and I think people who are looking for kids to abuse, kids being anywhere from that age to, mm-hmm. you know, pre-20, um, are, are, are looking for kids that have that kind of chip on their shoulder. And it shows. It's you can see it coming a mile away if that's what you're looking for. Did your abuse make you a target? I think so. Yeah, my abuse coupled with not dealing with it properly, maybe the way we would have dealt with it today mm-hmm. might have been better. And um, my mother uh, didn't really know how to deal with it. And and their way of dealing with it in their generation, to be fair, was to just let's move on. Yeah, yeah. And let's just pretend that's all okay. And we're understanding now today, of course, that that's not how you deal with it. Mm-hmm. You can't just sweep it under the carpet and pretend that it's all all good now. And cat's out of the bag. And we talked about it once, and it's it's okay. Because as I illustrate in my book, these memories come back in italics again and again. And they come back in the strangest of ways at the strangest of times when you least expect them. And you have to honor that. So today we have a, an open dialogue about that stuff. You and your mom? My mom unfortunately passed away about a month ago. What? Yeah. My mom uh, was I recovering so from sorry. heart surgery. Well, thank you. She's a formidable woman. And what's really interesting is the last chapter is Maiden Mother Crone. And I raised my daughter to incorporate what my mother had taught me which while she might not have been able to deal with my abuse, she was a very strong woman who had a lot of great stuff to input. And she, um, I, I learned from her, I incorporated it, and then I passed it on to my daughter. But I, I made a conscious decision to do very, very different things with my child. Um, 
Would you want your daughter to be a stripper? <laughs> Everybody asks sure, me that. Sure, I'm sure, right? <laughs> like, yeah, no. Because look, if you're if you're a former stripper, you could go a couple of different ways. You could be like, yeah, you go, girl. I don't care. You know, whatever. You know, if yeah. that's your thing and you want to do that, I'm fine. You know, and I don't know, women power and all, I don't know. I don't even know the right word. I'm stumbling through this as an awkward male. There's I mean, a very interesting movement. It's this whole burlesque movement. When I was 40, I had a burlesque troupe. I was asked to put a burlesque troupe together, which yeah. was funny because I had put my stripping behind me. And now all of a sudden, I'm a mother of a five-year-old girl, and I'm a 40-year-old woman who's reconciled a lot of her past but wasn't really into talking about it. I was working full-time as an actress and a singer, and, and it was all good, as I have been for years, but kind of put that to bed, so to speak, yeah, again. Yeah. The ponds are going to yeah, be flying yeah, today. Yeah. She's here all week. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I, I didn't quite know how to deal with that, and I thought, well, why not? Because now our shows were for like, people like BMO, and like my fringe life was now mainstream. Yeah. So it was really bizarre. And the girls that were doing the burlesque stuff that were 10, 20 years younger than me at the time were talking about it being girl power. Right. Except if you look up the history of burlesque, it doesn't really have much to do with nudity. It's a political satire that has certain parts of nudity that were meant to shame or expose someone. That is the history of burlesque, the real history of burlesque. So it, it has very little to do with all those tassels and jiggling flesh and all that. Yeah, yeah. And and that's fun as entertainment. As mainstream entertainment, it's all good. It's the, I did the Spiegel tent and it was the whole circus thing. Yeah. And I, I lived there. That's where my soul lives with those crazy people. But to have my daughter go out on a full strip stage or be a lap dancer, there's no way no I would way. be comfortable with no. that. I okay. just find it's not a great environment to develop oh, as a human. But aren't you being judgmental? Totally I am. <laughs> <laughs> you see, if I Totally. Was, if, if but if was... a single mom were to say, you know what, I'm going to have to do this for the next couple of years to get by. Right. Great. You know what? Do it with dignity. Whatever you do, do it with do dignity. Do it with dignity, boundaries, yes. be aware. Yeah. Right? See, yeah. I, I do know, um, I've interviewed, uh, and I know, I know strippers and uh, porn stars. Right. That just sounds really strange to say. You hang out with the best people. But look, <laughs> here's what I have discovered. The vast majority of them, again, maybe I'm generalizing. I'm going to think of this as true or if there's anything true were. Uh, how do I say? Yeah, okay. Um, Testosterone at work. It's killing me. Can you see the smoke <laughs> coming out of my brain? No, because I'm in a, this. I'm waging, I'm wading into an area that I'm just uh, dopey about. But a lot of the girls that I know who are involved in the industry, um, they're, they're not really that aware. They're no. not. They're just not. There's a naivete. They've spent the vast majority of their life leaning on their looks. Yes. And then they believe the lies that they don't really have any much else to offer. What else can I really do? I'll do this. It's easy. It's easy, it's right? Really That's where the easy. easy thing comes in. It's addictive. The box, the addictive aspect of the whole thing. Yeah. It's addictive. And I mean, who doesn't want to go from table to table collecting money and being told you're beautiful at every turn? It, uh, of course, it's addictive. Yeah. But I guess I'm I'm unusual. I I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink. I didn't sell myself, and I didn't do all of that stuff almost immediately. And then I began to see, as a sober person in the '80s, where cocaine was everywhere, yeah. that that stuff uh, very quickly showed itself to be death. And I watched a girl uh, do a swan dive off of a high-rise building at a party I was at. 
and she was as high as a kite. And that was within maybe four months of my dancing. And then I went to an under or, or underground club, like one of those after-hours things. Yeah. And I, th- I went once, and I was sitting on a sofa, and we the, the place got raided. And the girl beside me stashed her drugs underneath my seat. Oh, nice. Uh, I know. I th- and, and they told us just to stay where you are. And, of yeah. course, I got pinned with that. Yeah. And then for whatever reasons, good angels, I'm convinced, they lined us up in two lineups one of them was the ones that had been caught with nothing. They were just, you know, took names and numbers and all that. And the other ones that were going to be charged with something. And there were just two lineups. And the guys, the cops turned their, their head. And I just literally shifted over into the other line. And I was let out. And I, and I thought, how did I get did that through happen? that? Yeah, like, yeah. how did, you know. <laughs> so I've never been charged with anything or I've never, you know. But just dumb luck, really. Not a great environment to be spending most of your life. Sonia is a uh, sought-after speaker with a keen interest in vibrant living, so true. Healthy sexual expression and finding dignity in all of life's moments. I want to talk about healthy sexual expression in the religious world, Mm -hmm. in the church scene especially. There seems to be a fair bit of stifling, you know. I think the God people are getting better at actually talking about sex. (laughs) What? Sex? Uh, having figured out that <laughs> if there is a God, God knows how our parts work. Very much so. Know I, what I mean? I think, yeah. And I think it's also a North American weirdness. Like, it's, yeah. you know what I mean? Totally. There's a, there's a weird hypocrisy in this world because, like, the the world's porn industry is based in a country that has the most body shame. Isn't that funny? It's just it's weird. True. Yeah, European pornography is slightly different, I have to admit. And there's not a lot of it because simply the body is is seen as a very sort of it's everybody's got one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they're all in different shapes and yep. sizes and yep. colors and all that. And and I, I think that's great. I, I'm not in that camp that everything is shameful. I think you have to be healthy. I think you have to take care of your body, whether that's you know no junk food or making sure to practice safe sex. Or, uh, they're in the same camp for me yeah. because we're given this great instrument and it comes with nerve endings and taste buds and you know we we have great flowers that we can smell and great food we can taste sure. and great you know and i think it's a, a real a real shame a real if you want to call it religious stuff sin not to uh really take hold of this stuff right. and, and enjoy it while we're here what has been your experience with mm, god people over the years not great really not great no Maybe I shouldn't have invited you on the show. <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, I know <laughs> I, I've I've studied, uh, I've meditated with some fantastic um, what we call Rinpoches and Buddhist uh, centers, and I've I've been to India three times to do some very serious. That's um, a long way to go for takeout. <laughs> I know, but the food is great, <laughs> and and I've just I've hung out and I've traveled a lot in other places too, not just there, and I I've found. Uh, Everywhere that I've traveled, I've found a spa because I, I love to see how they do the spa treatments on bodies. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> such a guilty pleasure. And the other thing is I find meditation temples and I find places of, of worship. And, and the, I mean, they're, they're beautiful. There's beautiful architecture to be had and artwork. So and you're sounding all positive. What happened I to the am. negative God experience because or God people experience? when you come experience. back to North America, oh. especially to the States or Canada, you have – uh, churches in small towns with, in the beginning of my book, I talk about it, where, you know, these, these I call them Bible thumpers, that are looking down their nose at people because they're not like them. 
they don't embrace life like they do. Mm-hmm. Now, at the end of the day, I would much rather have people have their God than be godless around me. Really? Kind of, yeah. Interesting. Because if there's ever an apocalypse, if there's ever a, you know, a moment of... Find one of them. F- well, yes and no. <laughs> I mean, they might actually be the most radical and yeah. divide us all. But at least those that are somewhat conscious and have a heart and know how to touch base with that, they're the people that I like to have in my camp. Have you ever had a, um, a client in your stripping days who was trying to sell you God? <laughs> I had. <laughs> That's a funny question. Why didn't you write about this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I've danced for politicians. I've danced for uh, some pretty heavy-duty judges and all that stuff. And did you hockey ri- players. Did you, did you write about the, uh, the, uh, the Bernardo uh, uh, stuff? There, there was, yeah, I, I, yeah, a certain okay. member of that particular case used right. to come in uh, and, and uh, he would empty his day on me. Yeah. which was really not welcome. I actually got up and left several times. He was, he, and I found out later his marriage exploded mm. over this case, yeah. and he was just a, a mess. Yeah. I think a lot of people connected to that, that case. I knew the police officer, the head guy, who apparently had the tapes that they were trying to get released finally into the case, and it took a whole other um, body of, of government to do that was also uh, a regular in this club I was in, and he was just a mess too. Yeah. Do you think there's a God? Yes. <laughs> you weren't expecting that. Or no, you no, I have no expectations. <laughs> I don't. And I mean, that's the but whole. I don't think it's a God like other people. Think it, it's do you a think God? it's an anthropomorphized God? You know, a, <sighs> a, a God created man in His own image, kind of thing. No, God. Uh, God is uh, in man. Every man, every yeah. being, everything, every it's a source. I think it's a source. Right. And I think tapping into that source is really important. I don't think that I go to a church to pray. I think I just sit down in my living room carpet and pray. And I don't even call it praying. I call it meditating. Yeah. 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 You're so Eastern and trendy. Oh, I know. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> um, do you believe in evil? Evil? I was tested. What? What does that mean? That. You got a test for evil? I well, I married a test for evil. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's right, right there in a chapter in my book. Yeah. I spent eleven years in family court. Oh my goodness! Yeah, um, the gentleman that uh, I won't I won't mention names, but yes, and so it was a probably the most trying time of my life. And you can't negotiate with someone who has the mentality of a sociopath or a terrorist, right? Because they don't want resolution; they just want to have the ongoing war. But the biggest thing that I ever learned about that was it takes two to tango, whether or not you think that they're evil or not. Uh-huh. And I seriously, I, I, I'm serious when I say I was tested with that. I, do, I still don't know whether or not those kinds of people are evil. Um, but I do know that what they do is pretty close yeah. to evil. Yeah. And, and it destroyed me. It took everything I had. Um, and so... That was a battle that I, I, I'm still recovering from, but I forgave him in a very active way. And when I did that, I hugged him. This is a man who, who was not at all easy for me to get, sure. get near. I was sure. quaking my shoes every time I would get near him. And I hugged him, and I did that on purpose. And I hung on, and I thanked him for giving me a beautiful daughter. And he, uh, I could just feel him kind of soften. Hmm. There was something about him that shifted, and Mm -hmm. then I let go. And then he dropped everything, everything that was all the litigations. Everything just got stopped. 
You know, it's kind of like Jesus just crawled inside of you at that moment. <laughs> no, and I, I've never actually said that line ever. I don't, I don't know. Think it sounds works. really weird, though. Uh, it does. It really does. <laughs> no, but because, look, uh, the, you know, the, if I'm going to stay with, a, with some kind of code, the red letters that Jesus apparently said, it's good for me to live by. It's just good. It's smart for me to live by. It's just a healthy way for me to do life, okay? And one of the reasons is because he said, hey, it's easy to love people that are easy to love. Yeah. Love people that are hard to love. That's actually where the rubber hits the road kind of a thing. I think so. There was a woman that contacted me, and she asked me just before my book was released, and she didn't even know I was writing a book, which was really weird. And she said, you know, your name comes up a lot in circles of women as a pretty cool chick and can you write me a piece on forgiveness and i said oh that's great i'd love to and you know have you i guess it's because of my book and yeah. she said oh you've got a book and i'm like oh my god <laughs> so where did you come from so we found out you know there were so many people in common that were very unusual sources and and i wrote this piece on forgiveness but when i went to her website i felt like i didn't even belong there because the people that were writing for her other short stories were people who their children had been murdered and they forgave the person that was responsible for that. And I was openly weeping, reading this stuff, thinking, how do you do that? How do you go to those depths in you? Mm -hmm. Because it's not about the other person. It's you. Mm -hmm. And you break that contract of hatred, right? Which is what it is. It's a contract you've got together. And then you, you have to work to break that. And I was just completely humbled. I thought, wow, my story is not going to be. You're such a good communicator. <laughs> do you, no, do you get hired up for corporate gigs and stuff? I do. Yeah, yeah no, I'm just starting for out as a speaker <laughs> for communicating. Yeah, well, certainly not for twirling anything no, anymore. No. <laughs> That'd be really weird. But, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I've been speaking informally for a long time, and now it's just starting to, to show up as a profession another leg of my profession so i'm not naked anymore in brackets memoirs of a contemporary jezebel so biblical i know i'm surprised you didn't bring that up first <laughs> low-hanging fruit come on <laughs> yeah. sonia cote that's a, are we saying it right cote that's do, right do i need to put well, it's e? a cote but we a don't cote. have the accents here so it's all good Sonia, S-O-N-Y-A, Cote, C-O-T-E dot com. That's the website you want to go to. Nice, clean, sharp, crisp website. Really, really well done. Thank you. And uh, that's where you can go and and, uh, find out where you can get this book.